It's not about finding a job. It's about finding the right fit. What kind of company do you want to work for? And what do you actually want to provide? A lot of the time, people look at what can I get? Can I get 100K salary? Can I get uh, 60 days off? Can I get all of these private health benefits? Can I get access to the gym? And everyone's focusing on what can I get? Forget about what you can get. Start focusing on what you can give. Where do you add the value? And the jobs will come to you. Like I tell people and the people that sign up for my accelerator program, they don't believe me at the beginning when I tell them recruiters will be approaching you for jobs. But then when they actually start implementing all of the things I'm talking about, personal branding being a key aspect of it, they focus on the value they bring. People be like, don't let that person out the building until they've signed the contract. Like that's the position you want to be in. And the only way you can get in that position is by focusing on the value you bring. And every single person listening here, you have something unique inside you. You have something that you do better than everyone else. Everyone has a unique giftedness zone. And all you have to do is focus on your excellence, what you do better than everyone else. And that becomes the tip of the iceberg of where you start bringing in that value. That's the thing you focus on your personal brand. And then just like underneath the surface, you have all of the other soft skills. You have your certifications. You have all of the experiences that you've done, whether it's dialectry related to privacy or not, it doesn't matter because a lot of these skills are transferable. But unless you can demonstrate how you bring that value, how you use all of that to solve the problems the business is facing and going to face pragmatically, it's all hopeless. And this is where the pragmatism comes in. This is where the personal branding comes in. This is where you showing where you add value makes you irresistible to the hiring managers. Because remember, they're going to be speaking to hundreds of people that are going to apply for these roles. They're probably going to interview about 10 on the long list, and then they might bring in three to five on the short list. What you have to understand is it's a process. And the only way you advance through the process is by showing the value you add and how that is greater than anyone else they're speaking to, regardless of your personal background, regardless of your racial or ethnic origin, regardless of anything else, but focused on the skills and the strengths that you bring and how you're using all of the transferable skills that you've acquired throughout your life to really support them solving problems. Absolutely. And I think uh, what I tell them is also just to add on, I say, there are two job markets. One is the visible job market, jobs are out in the market and you are approaching that. But there's the other market in which jobs are not published, but they have the problem, they have the pain. And if they see you solving that pain, they would automatically come to you or you can go to them and then you find a better and a quicker fit because then you're not in the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 game. Exactly. You are directly the one-to-one -one match. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when, when I speak about this, I mentioned Pareto's law, the 80-20 rule. So like Punit said, 80% of the roles on the market is the ones that you see advertised on the job boards. But the problem is when they advertise on the job boards, it means that they've actually been through looking internally, haven't found anyone. They've spoken to their friends and other people and their recruiters, they haven't found anyone. And now they've put it on the market, which means they'll get anywhere from hundreds to thousands of applicants, depending on how attractive the company and the uh, role and the salaries. What's going to make you stand out from those hundreds and thousands? And in fact, why would you even want to enter that game? Because the odds are stacked against you. Why would you not rather be in the top 20% where based on your personal branding, based on the things you're engaging in, based on your network, they've actually identified you as the person who can solve their problems. And they've approached you and said, hey, we've got this opportunity coming up. We'd love to chat to you about it. Um, are, are, are you open to it? That's the kind of conversations you want. And that's the hidden job market. So when a job comes up, usually it's because somebody leaves or because there's been a requirement that's been identified and the headcount's about to get approved. Hiring managers don't wait for the job description to go to HR. They'll start looking internally. And the first thing they do is say, is there anyone in the company that can kind of fit this role? Or is there anyone in my network who I think would be a great fit for this? 
if they can't find anyone there, the next thing they'll do is they have relationships with the recruiters, right? Remember, these recruiters, they're calling them every week, asking them, taking them out to football matches, building relationships with them. Um, so they will be aware of what's happening in the company and they will already start working on these things. So they will usually get exclusive access to try and fill that role before anyone else even knows it's there. And they will focus on the candidates that they have that they don't know are great or the people they see on LinkedIn who are magnetically attracting their attention because they're talking about privacy, they're adding value, they're showing how they're taking that pragmatic approach. And then the recruiters or even the hiring manager will approach you directly with opportunities. And you don't have any competition at this point. It's just you. They might have spoken to one or two other people. They might wait to speak to you before they go to somebody else. And they can't actually go through the formal process because HR hasn't even written up the job description and posted it on those boards yet. So you are in a great position to block out all the competition by going, demonstrating the value you have, learning about the company, showing how you are a cultural fit. Again, personal branding is a big part of that. If they can see what you're like as a person, they will already be able to identify whether or not you're going to be a great cultural fit for them or not. And that's all you have to do when it comes to that position is demonstrate three things. One, you're competent to do the role that they're asking you to do. Two, you're motivated to work for that company in that specific role. And three, you're a great cultural fit. If you can do all those three things, there's nothing stopping you uh, from being made an offer there and then. And if you can demonstrate how you're outstanding and how you bring more value than anyone else, then they will often be happy to negotiate just to make sure they secure you. Absolutely. And I think that's the same philosophy the recruiters work for. The recruiter, before they put it on their website, before they put it on LinkedIn, they get a job from one of the hiring managers and they say, ah, this one, that's the person I know. Let me check with them if they are interested in this. They do job matching themselves. Then as a side thing, they put it on the LinkedIn or wherever they put it or their website. And then, of course, they announce and collect CVs and everything. But they pay, they pay most attention to people whom they know, whom they know they are in market. And there again, those three things, they know they are competitive. They have the skills, they have the competencies, they are motivated and they will bring themselves and they will fit in. That's the thing that even a recruiter looks at. So if you brand yourself, if you position yourself and if you're known in the market, you don't have to be on social media, but if you're known with to people, that's what allows you to get the job, not searching for jobs and making applications because you make, you make applications, you're going into the heap of people and then to differentiate would be working backwards. Exactly, exactly. And it's just like, you're just clutching at straws, isn't it? Yeah. There's no logic behind that. Indeed. And when we talk about this branding, the coaching and everything and the job seeking, then people are looking for solutions. Then they come to people like you, people like me and many others. And then most people want a ready-made solution. If it was, I would package it and sell it just like that. But it isn't. It is, has to be very personalized. I mean, package solution can be, this is the CIPPE you have to do. These are the 20 things you have to do as per the blueprint of IIPP. This is what we will tell you. And you absorb, you clear the questions. That's standardized. That's called commodity. But what you and me specialize is the personalized advice because you are different. We help you create a brand. We help you find the job. And we help you fit in, not fit in. You find where you fit in. Because it's always can do, will do, will fit. Can you do the job? If you've done the certification, mostly you can. Will you do it? That's an evaluation. And will you fit in? That's the cultural fit. So the question then is people come for ready-made solutions. I call that teaching because they want to be taught a formula. One plus one is two. And unfortunately, that doesn't exist. And then there's another concept what we call in the modern world is called coaching. And there's a subtle difference between the two. People are 
looking for quick solutions while we are giving them the guidance to become independent guidance to grow as individuals so can you elaborate your views on the difference between the two so that some of our audiences and your audiences would get to understand a little bit more clearly what it is what it means yeah absolutely uh, so jamal a lot of people have this pre notion or conception that they want ready to made solutions it's like ready to eat quick fix quick solutions i get a injection and i'm corona free well that doesn't works so you still can have corona and in the same way when you're looking for solutions cipte cipm cipt or certifications are more commodity there's a prescribed syllabus you do that you appear in an exam you practice some questions and you can get through there the standard formula works but finding jobs branding yourself growing as a professional growing your career those are very very specific fields and there's no set formula it needs to be developed we can give we can guide we can give you the concepts but then you got to implement in your own situation what fits in with your values your dreams your aspirations and who you are as a person so can you elaborate in that sense teaching versus coaching in my mind the teaching is you have a cipm course i know what are the subjects i will teach you that then uh, you do a few practice questions and you are ready for the exam mostly it will work unless of course there are some exceptions you are super intelligent and you don't need to be taught or you are the other extreme and then we have to tell you four times or five times but then video works and teaching works but how do you differentiate between this teaching and co- coaching approach Great, great question, and it's something that I see a lot of people actually struggling with. That there's some people don't even know that there's a difference. Uh, that there's actually coaching programs and uh, mentoring programs uh, like the ones we, me, and you offer. They just think there's just this one way of doing things. And you know what? The truth is, it's not their fault. It's because they go to school, they're taught a syllabus. Everyone across the whole country is taught the same syllabus, and then at the end of that process, they're given an exam. Everyone's given the same exam, and everyone says pass. And they're told that based on how well you do or how badly you do, your life will either be great and successful, or it's going to be poor and you're going to be a loser, and you probably end up uh, doing something you don't want to do, right? So this is the challenge people have: is they don't know any different. and it's only when they start expanding their mindset they actually understand oh there was that teaching and then there's actually uh, self study and then there's learning with a coach and being mentored what is the difference between the three so teaching in the sense that we were speaking about the opposite of mentoring and coaching is where you go you find a syllabus you learn that syllabus some people even memorize that syllabus and then you go and put that onto a test to see if you've managed to Uh, retain enough of that knowledge to be able to pass the test. So, for example, um, you can see that there's 120 official uh, training partners that offer CIPP, CIPM, CIPT certifications across the world, right? And every single one of them um, does the same thing. You go, you sign up for a two-day program. There will be a contracted lawyer that will usually come in, read out slides to you, and then good luck. Off you go. uh you're left to it on your own you have the book some people will pick up the book they'll read the book they'll learn the pages of the book some people believe they have to memorize the gdpr and they actually go and do that uh, and they think that's enough but that's not that means you have the knowledge or you're able to regurgitate that knowledge but that doesn't add any value i can google it and get the answers i can buy the textbook and get the answers where where is the value the value is added in how do you take that knowledge use your critical thinking to then apply what you've discovered in a way that makes sense and the difference between that study or that learning or that self study or going and doing any of those basic courses compared to 
what me and you offer is that we actually share our knowledge. We share our skills and our experience, and we do that to help them to develop and grow so they can grow and transform into these world-class privacy professionals. You can't get that from a textbook. You can't get that from watching videos. You can't get that from having somebody read slides out to you for two days. You only get that when you work with somebody for longer than, I'd say around 12 weeks is a good good, good time to work with someone. That's enough time to develop the habits. That's enough time to get rid of all of those limiting beliefs and mindsets and really open your mind and say, this person who's already walked the path that I want to walk on is open to sharing their knowledge, their skills, their experiences, saving me from making the same mistakes they've made and giving me the quick solution, saving me time, money, and energy because they're telling me what's working and what's worked for them when the work's worked for hundreds of other people's. That's where the mentoring and the coaching comes in is it helps you save that time, avoid the mistakes that we made. We just give you everything that works in a package. Okay, it's not a ready meal. You still have to buy the ingredients and we give you the recipe. But we take you by the hand and we say, this is the path we've walked. This is what's worked. These are the mistakes we made. So avoid those pitfalls. And you know what? This is exactly what's working right now. And for anyone that wants to fast track their careers, that really wants to thrive, what they should be looking for is a mentor or a coach who can really share the knowledge, the skills, the experiences with them to help them grow and develop themselves. Because the self-study... I mean, look, one, one of the things you might have noticed recently, I get into a lot of conversations on LinkedIn, and a lot of people, they don't rate the certifications. They say it's just a multiple choice question test. Anybody can do that. It doesn't do anything. And I've met so many people who have the actual exam. They don't have the confidence. They don't have the clarity. They don't have the credibility. And they're actually devaluing the certification. But the problem is most of those people they're describing are the people who have actually either self-studied or gone and sat on a two-day training, had somebody read slides out to them, and somehow managed to pass an exam. Nobody's actually sat with them and explained to them the actual application of it, different ways of thinking about things. What this means in one context is going to mean something completely different in another context. So their best thinking has got them to where they are, and their best thinking is also what's limiting them because their best thinking has only got them to where they are. They need to find somebody else who has expanded awareness for them to then expand their mind to be able to get better results. And this is one of the most valuable lessons I learned very early on when I started going on coaching programs and getting mentors. And I'm hoping we share some similar mentors uh, and coaches. But this is something that we discovered quite early on, which has really helped us to understand my best thinking is only got, has got me here. If I now want to go over there and even beyond, I can't do it on my own. I need somebody who has proven expertise. I need somebody who's already done it. Show me and teach me how it's done so then I can help and grow. And then when you get there, you might need a new mentor to move to another stage. It's, 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 life is all about expanding and growing. And if you want to stand still and you want to be mediocre, then you should be happy with mediocre results. But I truly believe every single person here has been put on this earth for a reason. And every single one of us has brilliance inside. And you need to shine. And sometimes you will need help to let that light radiate because of how you might have been treated in the past, because of how you might have been put down, because of some of the self-limiting decisions you might have made, because of the things that are holding you back. Sometimes people are their own worst enemy and they hold themselves back. It's because what they have what we call this fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is where somebody says, I just want to look smart. I don't want to put in the effort. I don't want people to think I don't know. So I'm not going to ask questions and I'm not going to go and put myself in a stage where I'm going to be uncomfortable 
because I'm quite happy here. With that fixed mindset, you never grow. And the people with a fixed mindset, they believe that intelligence is actually something that is fixed. You're born like that. You're either born smart or you're born not so smart. You're either creative or you're not creative. What they don't realize is that our brains are neuroplastic, which basically means that with enough effort, with enough practice, with enough repetition, we can create new neurological pathways. And I was recently listening to a TED talk where he says uh, that if you just commit 20 hours to one particular skill, then you can become, perform at a level of excellence. You won't get perfection. I mean, I think there's another theory that talks about you need a thousand hours or something, but that study was based on the top performing athletes in the world. If you want to get to Olympian athletic level, yes, you need that thousand hours. But if you want to get to a place where you can excel, and by excel, I mean 85%, not 100%, that is more than enough for all of us to have thriving careers, for us to have the lifestyles that we want, for us to be able to have the self-esteem that we need and to really make a difference in the world. But that comes from having that growth mindset, willing to say, I don't have all the answers, willing to say, I don't have all the knowledge. And the biggest challenge is you don't even know what you don't even know. It's only when you go and speak to somebody like Puneet who shares a story with you, who says, I was having a discussion with somebody in this country and in this specific industry, your brain starts opening up and expanding its awareness. And the moment you start expanding that awareness by finding the right mentors, that's when the game is going to change for you. Absolutely. And I think that makes me wonder, what's your story? How did you get into privacy and how did you get into this abundance mindset? Because we nev- most of us were not aware of this abundance mindset. Most of us were not born privacy professional. So how and when did you get into these two skills, the privacy skill as well as the abundance of the mindset skill? All right. So I'll start off with the mindset first. Uh, so when I was growing up, um, we used to have this small TV. <laughs> I think we started off with a black and white TV, right? And then <laughs> eventually we got this big, massive wooden box, which, which had color and you had to try in the uh, dyes. But I think on ITV, there used to be a Saturday night program by somebody called Paul McKenna. And he was a hypnotist and he used to do entertainment. He now does actually a lot of personal development stuff, and he's a great coach for anyone who wants to have some kind of great results from that. He helps people stop smoking, lose weight. He helps with um, confidence, everything. But there was this guy, he would put people to sleep. He would say, go to sleep, and he would say, when you wake up, you're going to cluck like a chicken, (laughs) or you're going to forget your name, or you're going to do whatever it is. And I was fascinated by this guy. It's like, how can you talk to people and make them do all these silly things or forget things and, and it just doesn't make any sense. So I, I started looking into hypnosis as I got a little bit older. And the more I looked into hypnosis, the more I came across a guy called Richard Bandler. And Richard Bandler came up with this thing called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, not Natural Language Processing for anyone that's IT geek, but Neuro Linguistic Programming. And Neuro Linguistic Programming basically says the way we use language has results in the way we think and therefore the results we get. And you might have heard this in memes or other places. Your thoughts become your words. Your words becomes your actions. And your actions become who you are. So that means the thoughts that we have are very powerful. And did you know, uh, it, it bamboozled me the first time where I knew that, you know what, there's actually different ways of talking to yourself. And the way you talk to yourself is going to manifest into the who you present yourself in the world with. So you could either say, ah, you know, what? I'm rubbish at this and reinforce that thing, that self-limiting belief, or, you know, I'll never be rich or money is evil or whatever self-limiting decision somebody might have. Or you could have positive uh, self positive decisions, positive influences. I get better and better every day. I know with enough effort, I can excel at anything. I have an abundance of stuff. 
remind yourself of the things you're grateful for. So it was through my fascination with hypnosis and wanting to make my friends clap like chickens that led me to NLP. And then NLP led me to getting certified as a master NLP practitioner. I also did some Ericksonian hypnosis. And for a time, I did performance coaching, uh, which is basically where all of the personal development stuff that you see me talking about that I bring into my programs comes from. It's from my previous training, my previous uh, uh, career as a personal growth coach. The reason I stopped that was what I found was too many people was coming to me asking me to help them solve their problems. And I'm not somebody who wants to go and focus on your problems. Let's identify the problem because I believe a problem will identify as a problem half solved, but I don't want to dwell on the problem because then we're not moving. I want to focus on the solution. Like how great do you want to be? Where do you want to get to? And so that's why I gave up that coaching and I've moved into compliance. And it was in compliance where I first came across to answer the second part of the question about privacy. And one of the things I noticed was this uh, GDPR stuff was coming out. People started mentioning it. And nobody really had a clue on what was going on. And the more I looked into it, the more fascinated I got. I even looked into it from a spiritual point of view uh, to see where it comes from, from my faith and what we say about it. And the revelations were fascinating. And I was like, wow, this is great. And, and then I said to my wife, hey, um, I'm going to give this thing a go. And at that time, um, my, my wife was pregnant. So it was the first time she'd been pregnant. We'd been married for a long time and we had fertility challenges. So here I am in this compliance role. I wouldn't say I particularly enjoyed it. Uh, I was doing a process, you know how you're doing the financial services, you run the processes. I wasn't adding much value and I always knew that there was much more I could contribute. And I was always very keen to be able to take something from where it is and improve it or help people improve the process. And as I focused more and more on the actual regulations and how we applied in the business, they started giving me more and more responsibility. And I was like, you know what, this is great. But then what I realized is when I'm having conversations with my friends, with my families, when I'm working with charities, they're all so clueless and they're getting really poor advice. And I was like, you know what? There has to be a better way to do this. And you had all of these people coming in telling businesses, the only way you can do anything is by getting consent and GDPR is all about consent. And if you can trace your minds back into 2018, 20th to 30th of May, how many emails did you get asking you for your consent and how many of those did you ignore? If like most people, you ignored 99% of them, then 99% of businesses lost their databases. They lost yeah their leads, they lost people who they could market to because some bad professional told them the only thing you can do is concern, otherwise you can't talk to people. I remember I was speaking to this one company in Sweden where they was told that their door-to-door salespeople have to knock on the door, give a privacy notice, get the person to sign it before they can even speak to them. Wow. Uh, you, you can't make this stuff up. It's just how ridiculous is this? So I was like, you know what? There has to be a better way. And that's why I set up the Casey uh, and Privacy Experts to offer pragmatic solutions to businesses who are getting poor advice otherwise with a price that they can actually uh, afford and it makes sense. I'm not going to go to a medium-sized business and say it's going to cost you uh, you know, half a million pounds for me to have a look at your privacy program. What we can do is do a gap analysis and focus on the bits that are priority. And that's basically what we started doing. And because I like taking this easy peasy approach, breaking things down in a way everyone can understand, it started building traction and I started getting lots of referrals and then the media started getting involved. So, hey, you know, every time we try to talk to somebody uh, on the news, they talk in too much legalese, which is not right for our viewers. The uh, average audience is like an, uh, has the comprehension of an 11 year old in, in the UK, at least anyway. Uh, we just need somebody that can speak about stuff in a way people get it. If you like this, find the full episode of Fit for Privacy podcast on iTunes or Spotify.